Shabbat Shalom to everyone, wherever you are in the world. It's just so great to see everyone. Um, a blessing as always to uh, to gather with the house and uh, and for us to be together uh, as we go through uh, this journey. Um, looking back at uh, at uh, a people that have much to teach us. For those joining us uh, by video. Um, you can, uh, if you want to join us live, um, just go to the rivershabbat.com website. And uh, if you scroll down on that homepage, you'll see Welcome to the River. Click subscribe. And then you just put in your first and last name and email address, and that puts you on the community newsletter. And that contains the live link to the upcoming Shabbat gathering. And if you've never joined us live, um, we'd love to have you. And uh, come and meet some of the family and, uh, and the wider community. Um, they're a great bunch. All right. We are continuing uh, our journey, and we're looking at a number of things as we do this journey. I'm using the, the backdrop of this is the Corinthians, <laughs> uh, almost 2,000 years ago, because uh, we are the modern-day Corinthians, whether we know it or not. Who here knows that you are the modern-day Corinthians? Hands up. Yeah. We often don't think of it that way. We often read the word third party, don't we? And and it's it's natural to do so. So that's it's very natural to read, you know, well, that's them and this is us. But really what we're seeing is these great examples, these uh, the struggles, the overcoming, the instructions, uh, you know, he was dealing with his whole great plan of redemption and concerning the house. And this goes right from Bereshit to Genesis, right from what happened in the garden, right through to the coming of Messiah. Uh, and uh, all the great promises and uh, the fulfillment of the plan of redemption contained in the book of Revelation. And so everything in between, it has matter, it has meaning, because this is all a part of our test in the time domain. And one of the things that Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, is dealing with here, uh, and nothing new under the sun, we have a modern expression of all of these things, but essentially we are dealing with the human condition. And one of the things that he's going to be dealing with is, of course, there's discord uh, in the house. And with the discord, you know, can come arguments, division, and all of these kinds of things um, as people are started, uh, learning to understand, uh, not just that the faith itself, um, uh, uh, as it relates in what was given to us uh, in the wilderness at Sinai, um, but also how do we apply it? To have knowledge without application is it's town amount to um us not being able to um it's it, it's like eating with no nutrients it, it can't perform uh, beyond the immediate function and a lot of what happens with knowledge as we gain knowledge is that we don't actually have the renewing of the mind and the heart circumcision so we don't apply knowledge and when we don't apply knowledge um, to the faith uh, we then just have knowledge of the faith and this happens to so many uh, on uh, this faith journey where we get caught up in trying to know more instead of becoming who he'd have us be. And of course, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul and the servants with him, with uh, Silas and, and uh, Timothy and what they're dealing with with the Corinthians uh, uh, as a part of Paul's second journey is, is how do we bring application after this journey? And so Paul's writing the letters to try and go, okay, 
now that you've been given an understanding and and some of the knowledge of the mysteries and things like that and so we've been working through you know the servant's journey uh was he dealing with milk or meat and all these conversations that go on uh, as a part of that uh, as a part of today, we're going to look at something that affects all of us and um, a very important matter for any of us that are on this journey. Um, I've got here judging others. Judging someone often defines more about your character than the character of the person you are judging. And so what we often find is people will project. Sometimes they can even gaslight, they can do that, but they enter into a place of judgment upon someone else. And we can do this instantly in our heart in seconds. Anybody notice that? You just, you know, immediately just go to somewhere in your heart and that's it, bang. And this is why we're not to be trusted yet with sitting on the throne, because no, we'd all be spending eternity alone. Because that would be the state of our heart. Because if we had Elohim's power, a final judgment, or in the Greek, krino, which we'll talk about today, we would end up vaporizing each other <laughs> before we uh, actually work this out. And, um, and so we would have a very lonely existence. And so the Father in his infinite wisdom in the time domain and testing is making us work through certain matters we're going to talk about today. And Paul does an incredible job of demonstrating how this is to work amongst the house and how we are to apply this and to deal with each other. And there's some very interesting things they're dealing with here. Last week, we looked at the spiritual immunity. So we're, we've, not, uh, we've not had a good foundation to our faith, especially a lot of us here in the West. Uh, and so a lot of us were just raised on a modern Western form of Christianity or whatever it is. And although there are great truths contained in that, certainly the application of them have been all over the place. And so we've been essentially um, uh, the proverbial children trying to eat meat and throwing up all over the place and everything else <laughs> and um, making a mess of things uh, because we weren't properly breastfed with uh, with the milk of Torah. And of course, within the milk of Torah and contained in that, of course, is really the hidden meat. And we talked about, uh, you know, the reality that the milk allows for us to actually understand the hidden meat and to chew it properly, essentially to apply it. So if all we're going to do is stay in the milk of it and tick the religious boxes from a Torah perspective, we can often make a foul odor after a while because, you know, that's what it does when you eat too much dairy products. Um, and then we wonder what's going on. At the same time, again, on the Christian side, oh, I don't need the milk. And we try to eat something that we're not capable of digesting. And then that plays out in it certain ways. And I call this, uh, and in the water community here, we refer to these as the river banks. And the idea is to get in to understand. We always see in the Western mindset, been there, done that, this versus that. This, but actually in Hebraic thinking and the way Yah develops is he builds upon and to understand. So we shouldn't be surprised that within the milk of Torah contains the application of the hidden meat. And, uh, and so we want to get to that place. And so we spoke about that last week. Uh, a brother has reached out and uh, a brother, Sean, and uh, from the other side of the ditch, and he has created, I talk about this concept of picking shadow fruit. And uh, I talk about that in the teachings. Well, he did a drawing <laughs> based on this and, uh, and sent it to me and a very talented uh, brother. And uh, he sent this through. And uh, I wanted to, um, to reference this because this whole journey of things is that we can if we stay only in the milk of torah we'll end up actually trying to pick shadow fruit 
And it doesn't make sense. It can't sustain us. It doesn't give us the nutrients, these things like this. So this is another example or a way that scripture gives us to understand this process. Um, and often those who are simply ticking Torah boxes, let's say, are trying to do that in their faith, um, whether it be our brethren in Yehuda or be people that are caught up in certain movements and Messianic Hebrew roots movements, they can get caught up in this process. And there is a lot of beauty in the process in the sense of, you know, community or acceptance or things like that. But ultimately, um, everyone realizes here that trying to eat shadow fruit is not going to give us the nutrients we need. Um, but the thing that I point out here is that darkness cannot cast a shadow. The reason why there is a shadow is because there's light shining on the tree of life. And what it is, is about getting our brethren to go, hey, turn to the actual tree, turn to the tree of life and eat of the tree of life, not just the shadows that teach us that it's there that let us understand that the light is there. We need to actually apply and partake in this. And of course, the early Corinthians were struggling in many ways from both sides of the river. And so when Sean sent this through, um, I wanted to raise this because it was quite topical in uh, our journey in here, because in the church of Corinth, there are some that are not uh, caring at all about that they're uh, that there is a tree and that, and that when the lights shine on it, it will cast a shadow. Uh, and then there are others that are purely trying to pick shadow fruit, which of course uh, is uh, going to cause someone to eventually starve. In Hebrews 10, 1, 4 puts like this, for since the law has but a shadow of good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, which is the actual tree. And that's why I'm showing this image. Essentially what's being stated here in the book of Hebrews is just the picture you saw. The reality is actually the tree and the light shining on that tree that is casting this shadow. It can never be the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year to make perfect for those who draw near. Of course, he's referring to the temple system and every year the high priest would come in uh, and atone or do the sacrifices, the uh, what we call a Yom Kippurim. And the high priest would enter once a year into uh, into the, uh, the Holy of Holies and do this sacrifice on behalf of the nation of Israel, which is a people, not a piece of dirt. And so for the people, you would do this. Well, what Paul is doing is he's referring to the practices here in Hebrews of what the people knew and understood. He says, otherwise they would not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. So in other words, the reason for the shadow, the reason for these practices, the reason why we were, uh, why they were told and instructed to, uh, to do a, um, uh, to um, have a dress rehearsal of the fall Moedim, um was for the remembrance of these things, to understand these things, because in honoring those fall Moedims, they were seeing a high priest do this on behalf of the house of Israel. However, he makes the point, for it is impossible, though, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It can remind us these practices that they were doing as a house was teaching them that there was a need for the remission of sin for blood to be spilled of innocence. And so it was teaching them of the Messiah to come. And so there was this whole process as a house. And this is why Yeshua held them to account. You should have known, the, the religious leaders should have known that all of this 
was a dress rehearsal pointing to him. And they were going to reject him. So the blood of Messiah and him as the high priest, and this is what Paul started to understand as a Pharisee of Pharisee, now allows for this whole judgment process. And it's important because this is a process. It was a process in the shadow picture leading up to all of these things. And he goes on to break this down, particularly with the Corinthians. And this is often missed. So we looked at the servant's journey, the milk and the meat. And now we're going to look at this whole thing of judging others. Because if, if we are under a judgment of a great Elohim and our great Messiah, our King, our bridegroom, all of these things, there is judgment that is indeed for all of us. Well, we are to work a process through while we're in the time domain, while we're in the test. And when we don't know this, we don't actually see perhaps sometimes what we're actually reading. And what is captured with what Paul is trying to deal with the Corinthians is actually quite incredible. He is teaching the application of actually the fruit, the faith. He's taking it from shadow and he's taking it into a place where you're going to learn to apply and understand this so that you can work through this process of judgment in the time domain. Because indeed, we are all going to be, receive judgment, but we also are all going to give it. And there is like a, a trial run during the test and things like this. And he's applying a breakdown of this process because essentially the blood of Messiah allows it for all of our lives. Okay, so in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah, the great prophet Isaiah, in 5, 20, 21, he says, Woe to those who call evil good and, and good evil, who put darkness for light, light for darkness, for bitter for sweet, is sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes, shrewd in their own sight. From a believer's context, this is really interesting, because if we become wise in our own right, shrewd in our own sight, we can actually bypass the judgment process and start misapplying this to one another and to each other in the house. And so the reason why I raise this is because we can actually get caught up in this. And we think of this as, you know, generally just them out there, but a modern way that this has come about in modern society. And we all get used to this is this thing called cancel culture. Has anybody heard of cancel culture? <laughs> yeah. We're seeing it all around right now and seeing how a modern world is behaving with this. Now, what's interesting about this, effectively what we're seeing is they don't have the wisdom or the application of the biblical faith. So you're seeing a modern society essentially go into a place of crino instantly. And so they're doing this. And so you're seeing this now play out in this uh, modern council. I've got council culture, you know, needs to be canceled. <laughs> um, so we've got to assess what's going on because this, this is a modern social cancer that is going on. And it's all stemming from heading to a place of judgment instantly. And what Paul's going to address with the Corinthians is do not do this. Understand how this process works. And, it, and if you learn this, then it will bring about good fruit. It'll bring about the actual tree of life. Council culture, this contemporary phrase used to refer to culture in which those who are deemed to have acted or spoken in an unacceptable manner are ostracized, boycotted, or shunned. Cancel culture can often be defined as a campaign of public shaming. So this is often done in a public way, especially with social media and things like that nowadays, often conducted via the media, the news, or in-person confrontation. It's essentially rooted in pride, hurt, bitterness, unforgiveness. This is where people go to Crino instantly because they've not dealt with matters of the heart. And it's often expressed in hate and anger. 
So they're now entering into a place of judgment, passing sentence upon another person. It could be their political ideologies, their, you know, um, you know, gender ideologies, whatever it might be that they're doing it. But you're seeing this occur in society. And what it does is it creates discord and instant division. And you're seeing this all play out now. Because they actually do not have the wisdom of Elohim. They're not dealing with the renewing of the mind, certainly not the heart circumcision, and they don't understand how the judgment process was actually to work. And so because of that, we're just seeing the fruit of this play out in a big way. And it's why I want to particularly speak about this when we are, you know, using Paul's journey as a way to look at these different subject matters. Um, so because of this pride, this hurt, this bitterness, unforgiveness, we're hitting into this hate and anger place based on instantly going to a place of judgment or in the Greek is reflected as krino. The subject of the cancellation can often suffer devastating personal consequences and disproportionate to the subject offense. In other words, somebody is experiencing something often now people didn't even mean to do or upset somebody. And it's causing all of this division and whatnot. You're not even getting an opportunity to essentially plead your case because of the council culture. You're immediately being judged in a way that's passing sentence upon you and brings in the council culture. This is essentially emotionally arrested development. Uh, and I speak about this throughout many of the teachings and things like that, where people from their pride and hurt and bitterness and unforgiveness place essentially do not grow. They stay children. And so now they're in this council culture as children, you know, and this is why you often hear parents, if you, you may have heard this raising your kids, you know, you know, you, I, you, you know, I don't love you, mom. I don't love you. Dad. And immediately that little child has gone to a place of crino because they might be being disciplined, corrected, reproved, whatever it might be. And their accusation against you is you don't love me. Now, some of you parents may have actually experienced that, may have experienced this with your friends. And what that is, is that is a place essentially as a child of cancel culture. So what you're seeing play out and what we're seeing manifested right now with cancel culture is you're seeing essentially a very emotionally arrested and immature society. It does not know how to process anymore because it's essentially not developed. And so things like cancel culture are the fruit of it. You're just seeing the fruit of how sad or how sick the state of things actually are. And of course, with that, people will not take responsibility, accountability, and they certainly don't want any consequences regarding their own actions. So we're seeing this play out. It's simply a fruit. Council culture is a modern expression of this not being dealt with. And so Paul's actually going to deal with how do we avoid council culture? <laughs> and so he's actually dealing with this almost 2000 years ago. Uh, and of course, I'm using his journey with the Corinthians to actually talk about this. These people still need to be dealt with in our lives, however. This is not council culture when we do this. Paul's not saying that you don't deal with this. So we've got to be very careful about this. It would not, it's not about accepting what somebody is doing if it is hurting others. And so what we have seen, and so in, in Rome, in particular at the council culture, you're seeing nothing being done about it. That is not biblical. And so we're going to see Paul is going, no, we're not going to get into council culture. And if we start seeing this behavior, you're going to do something about it. What are we to do with unrepented device of our toxic brothers or sisters? So we're talking about now our house, the house of Israel, because judgment or crino from Elohim occurs first in our house. So it's important that we get this. In Proverbs 12, 25, 26, it says this, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. 
One who is righteous is a guide to the neighbor, but the way of wicked leads him astray. So in other words, there's a process here in this great wisdom of the Proverbs where there's something here where we're going to be um, dealing with anxiety is going to come into it. And you'll see what's really behind cancel culture is massive depression and anxiety that is occurring in Rome. But again, this is words to the house. So what is our righteous guide? And so Paul, being a master of the Torah and the Tanakh, he, he was drawing upon wisdoms, much of it found, uh, you know, from the, the great words found in, in the book of Ecclesiastes to the Psalms, to the Proverbs, to indeed the Torah itself uh, and the Christ for books. He's drawing from everything to try and bring application into a people. And so that's essentially what we're doing uh as as a body and what we do here in river shabbat and so we are using the journey of the uh, paul's second journey uh and then his letter to following that journey to the corinthians uh as a way of discussing and looking at these matters and then applying them in our life today because if we don't get this that this is us we are the modern corinthians in this application we can then fall in the trap of reading something third person um who's got their their bibles Man, we've got a we've got an on to a community here. I bet we're so on to it. Who's already read chapters four, five, and six before today? <laughs> if you've done that too. Who would like to come on and teach on that? <laughs> Everybody's aware of it. Uh, so I'm left as the poor one. I'm the one who's left with the judgment on the teaching. Okay. Um, well, we've got a wise community too, developing in that. I'm just going to read through these and then we're going to reference some of the key uh, or certain uh, scriptures within it when we come back and look at what we're dealing with these judging others today. Okay. Starting in chapter four, let a man regard us as servants of Messiah and trustees of the secrets of Elohim or the hidden matters. For the rest, it is sought in trustees that those that should be found trustworthy, uh, but with me, it is a small matter that I should be judged by you or by a man's court, but not even myself I judge. Whoa, so now we're going to be struggling with the English. We're going to go back and revisit this after we're done reading. But notice we're just seeing judge, 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 judge. We're often seeing, you know, sought in as trustees. What does that mean? You know, again, depending, I'm reading from the ISR here, depending on your English version, you're going to have different words that you might have and sought as a stewardship or whatever in there. Um, but again, judge is one of those words like love and certain various words where, you know, if you don't understand what they're actually uh, doing here in the transliteration into Greek from the Hebrew, we're really going to get lost. And so modern English um, gives us a little bit of a struggle and a journey. And so this is one of those times where the English is really going to work against us in understanding what Paul is really saying in his letter to Corinth at this time. For I am not conscious of any matter against myself. I am not declared right by this, but he who judges me is Yeshua. So do not judge any at all before the time until the master comes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's that mean then? 
It's interesting. If we don't understand what's being said here, who shall bring light to what is hidden in the darkness or the shadows and reveal the thoughts of the hearts? Then each one's praise shall come from Elohim. And these matter, brothers, I have applied in a figure to myself and Apollos for your sake, so that in us you might learn not to think beyond what is written, so that none of you become puffed up or prideful or wise in your own eyes, as we looked at just a minute ago, on behalf of oneself against the other. Because if this happens, you'll bring discord into the house. For who makes you to differ? And what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you've not received it? You are already satisfied. You are already enriched. You have reigned as sovereigns apart from us. And I wish indeed you did reign that we also might reign with you. Okay, there's a little bit of he's being facetious. You have gone somewhere ahead of the time. Anyone notice that? Paul's a master of this. He's going to actually expose them as, okay, without calling them, you're being foolish. <laughs> but he's essentially referring to a matter of the throne. And you're going there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. For I think that Elohim has exhibited us, the emissaries or the servants, last as appointed to death. Because we became a spectacle to the world, both to the messengers and to men. Notice how he includes the cosmos here. This includes the heavenly realm, too. A spectacle is what he say. We are fools for the sake of Messiah, but you are wise in Messiah. We are weak, but you are strong. You are in esteem, but we are not appreciated. Until the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are scantily clad and beaten and homeless and labor working with our own hands being cursed we blessed being persecuted we suffer being insulted we help we have been made as the filth of the world dirt wiped off by all until now i do not write this to shame you but to warn you as my beloved children for if you should have 10,000 instructors, instructors in Messiah, yet not many fathers for one in Messiah, Yeshua, I have brought you forth through the good news. Therefore, I appeal to you. There's an incredible humility here. And Paul is not going to steal the glory of Messiah as he's doing this. He's humbling himself and telling the others to remain humble because what we've been given is a great task, but we must retain our humility while we do this. So then he goes on to say, to become imitators of me. So he's humbled himself before he makes this statement. I am the example of this. I am a good witness. He's not making apologies for that, but he's saying, I'm making it from a place of knowing what the place I am truly in today. But I have to tell you that I am a witness for you to understand and to follow and to get this whole message. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and trustworthy son and the master. So Paul has gotten to a place where he trusts him. He's learned to trust Timothy. Who shall remind you of my ways in Messiah as I teach everywhere 
in every assembly. Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I shall come to you shortly if the master desires. I shall know not the word of those that are puffed up, but the power. For the reign of Elohim is not in speech, but in power. He's referring to without the Ruach, he's nothing. But do you wish, shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of meekness? Which one? All are going to be required, by the way. <laughs> He's giving them a choice. <laughs> Again, it's rhetorical. You need it all. If we come just in meekness, not enough. If we come just in Love, as they understand it, not enough. And we come just with a rod, not enough. Goes on chapter five. It is commonly reported, and this is where Paul is going to deal with behavior. Now, notice that he's not focusing on doctrine. I notice in modern messianic and Hebrew roots movements and Christian movements and whatnot, I notice in a lot of these movements, the focus is so much on the doctrine. And this, we get all this discord, all this division as a result. This is why we see thousands of denominations, movements, and everything else, because the focus now is not knowing how to apply the truth. <laughs> it's actually all focused on this knowledge. But what about the actual application of it? Which many of us have, you know, we've, we've lived a life of faith where it was all about our doctrine, all about our knowledge. Was it actually about your witness and the application of it? Did you really know how to apply it? Paul's going to focus on the application here, the actual behavior. He goes here, and such whoring as not even named among the nations is one to have his father's wife. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What sort of behavior is going down in this house in the Corinthians? <laughs> it's pretty serious. So he knows that there's a physical expression of whoring occurring because there is a spiritual whoredom still in the house. So it's physically playing out. And of this case, in this particular, is particularly incestuous. And is not to cause, cause offense. He's particularly dealing with matters of the house of Yehuda in spiritual terms. And you have been puffed up and did not, and, and sorry, and you've been puffed up and did not rather mourn so that he who has done this deed be removed from among you. For I indeed, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have already judged the one who did this is though I were present. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What does he mean? What's going on here? In the name of our master, Yeshua Messiah, you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our master, Yeshua Messiah. Deliver such a one to the adversary, Hasatan, for destruction of the flesh in order that his spirit may be saved in the day of master Yeshua. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's saying, no, you're going to need to execute judgment, to deliver this person to the adversary so that they can actually experience the destruction of the flesh. And this is for their purpose of restoration. 
So, so even the judgment on, he's using a very serious example in the physical of incest and incestual type matter here that relates to a much weighty matter of incestual type matter spiritually. And he's saying, we need to deliver this to the adversary, the reason for the adversary, so that this person can be broken down from their pride in order that they may be restored. So it's interesting how he's looking at dealing with matters. He just takes it to a very extreme example here. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know? Look where he goes here. That a little leaven leavens the entire lump. He actually refers to the spring appointed times. And of course, at this time, they had been fulfilled physically and literally in the flesh by Yeshua. And he actually is going to appoint them to it. Now, that's what he says here. Therefore, cleanse out the old leaven so that you are a new lump. So everything he's using, he's using this physical ancestral example, but everything he's going to do with that is now going to go to the weightier matter, the spiritual matter. And it's incredible how he wields this. Look at this. For also Messiah, our Pesach, was slaughtered for us. Now, look at this. I'm sorry to my Christian brothers and sisters, but the Moedim, the appointed times are still relevant. So let us celebrate the appointed time, the festival, the Moed. Not with old leaven. He doesn't say, so let us now forget about it. So now it doesn't matter. In fact, he does the opposite. He points them to Torah. And this is why I say to a lot of people, Paul, in the end, was a major, major player in my return back to the foundations of my faith. I'm sorry to my Christian brothers and sisters. You have no way out of this. Paul is not saying it's been done away with. He actually points them to Torah for them to deal with it. Quite the opposite, especially of what many of you might have been taught within maybe your various Christian journeys. So he now points them back to this, but he's saying, let us not do this with the old leaven. The old spiritual understanding and conditions, nor with the leaven of evil bread. Sorry, of evil and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So it's not don't celebrate these. You now need to understand the weightier matter of these. And now we have Yeshua Messiah. So it's incredible. He's actually getting this. And so he's expressing this to them. I wrote to you in my letter not to keep company with those who whore. Think of this spiritually now. Because I can tell you on both sides of this river of life, Yehuda, Messianic, Hebrew roots camps, Christian camps, and all the various reasons, I'm telling you there's a lot of spiritual whoring going on. This is serious. And again, almost 2,000 years ago, it's exactly what Paul is saying. And here we are almost 2,000 years later, and I find myself saying the same thing to the modern-day Corinthians, which is us. We're spiritually whoring. And that's what we've been doing. And many of us are waking up right now at this 11th hour as we come to the end of the age, discovering that. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we were just writing to some bad behavior in the Corinthians when actually, no, this is speaking to us today. If we know what Paul's doing, he's taking the flesh example, going to the weightier matter and then pointing them back to Torah, but to now honor it with the application or the why of the spring appointed times, not the what, the why.
picking up in verse 10 here. And I certainly did not mean with those of this world who whore. So he's saying, I'm not talking about this fight here or, or with the greedy gain or the swindlers or the idolaters. Since then, you would have no need to go out of the world. But now I've written to you not to keep company with any called a brother. Ooh, this is dealing with spiritual matters now. If he is one who whores or of greedy gain, an idolater or a viler, a drunkard, a swindler, to not even eat with such a one. So if this is expressing itself in the flesh, there is something wrong spiritually. Something very wrong spiritually. Do you see what he's doing? If this is the fruit of it, he's going, no, no. And, they, and, and they're identifying with the faith? And this is their fruit? No. So now he's going to bring in matters of judgment here. And we're going to go on and explain that. So what do I have to do with judging outsiders? So what have I got to do judging Rome, basically, is what he's saying. We got Roman Catholic. We go, what do I got to do with judging them? Do you not judge those who are inside the camp, the house that he's going? This is matters of for us. But Elohim judges those who are outside. He's saying, don't worry, there's a great right throne judgment coming. He's gonna, he's got that, he's dealing with that. And if the world is judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest of matters? So now he's getting to this point. How are you dealing with all of this stuff, this behavior, the things going on inside yourself and in others from a, from a perspective of the house of Israel? Do you not know that we will judge the messengers, the angels? How much more the matters of this life? My goodness. What the heck? I don't know if we get how far the extremes and the examples, he's just wielding this and going to these examples in the extreme in the flesh and now in the spiritual. The messengers, the angels, what? And we can't even deal with our own matters here? We're going to be judging the angels? And then you truly have judgment of this life. If then you truly have judgments of this life, do you appoint them as judges? who are least esteemed by the assembly? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise one among you? Not even one. Who shall be able to judge between his brothers? But brother against brother goes to be judged. And that before unbelievers? You're going to take these matters now to Rome? Already then. There is a failure with you, that you have your lawsuits among you, your disputes, and now you're all dealing with the Roman courts. Why rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? <laughs> I just love Paul and how he makes a point. <laughs> Why not do this then? You know, but you yourselves do wrong and cheat. And that to your brothers, do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the reign of Elohim. Get interesting where he goes with this. He's not talking even about justification of the blood of Messiah here. He's actually referring to the reign, the thousand year, the last great day. It's interesting. He's very aware that there's something that is being tested to see how we're going to deal with this so that can we be trusted with what's coming? Whoa, 
How many here right now today can be trusted with the throne and the judgment? So far, he's missioned the messengers, the angels. Wow. Do not be deceived. Neither those who whore, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedy of gain, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the reign of Elohim. That's a bridal statement. This is talking about his governance that's coming and how important our test is right now to deal with matters of judgment correctly and properly. And we are going to look at this today because I'll tell you, if we do not get why he's saying this to the Corinthians and we don't actually understand this application, this is a big part of the actual process or the diacrino that is going upon all of us right now. And we'll speak about that. And such were some of you that you were washed, but you were set apart. But you were declared right in the name of Master Yeshua and by the spirit of our Elohim. All is permitted me, but not all do profit. All is permitted me, but I shall not under authority of any. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods. But Elohim shall destroy both of it and them. And the body is not for whoring, but for the master and the master for the body. Make no mistake what he's talking about here. It's our spiritual condition and the test that we are dealing with here. We will whore if we don't get the leaven out of the house. We will do this spiritually. So don't be surprised how it looks physically. That's all he's saying. I can tell your spiritual condition by your outward appearance, basically, is what he's saying here. But I, the news I'm getting back is telling me something here. You're not healthy spiritually. And Elohim who raised up the master shall also raise up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Messiah? Shall I then take the members of Messiah and make them members of a whore? <laughs> I guess you wouldn't accuse Paul of being politically correct at this point, would you, in a letter? <laughs> you know, imagine this going up on their version of, you know, CNN or Fox News. You know, this is, he's not being politically correct here. In fact, Paul, by modern standards, would be counseled right now about this point. <laughs> he would be censored by modern standards. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a whore is one body? For he says the two shall become one flesh. He goes right back to the garden in a better sheet in the physical typology of the creation of man and woman and the two becoming one. And that physical great shadow picture of the two becoming a chad and having the chad light of sight and how that is to relate spiritually. He's a master and he's wielding it as such. And he who is joined to the master is one spirit. Flee whoring, flee spiritual adultery. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits whoring sins against his own body. Wow. Or do you not know that your body is the dwelling place of the set apart or the Ruach who is in you, which is you who have from Elohim, and you are not your own. We are bondservants. But for you, 
we were bought with a price. Therefore, esteem Elohim in your body and in your spirit, which are of Elohim. Okay. In those three chapters, Paul is dealing with something very serious in matters of relating to judgment concerning behavior. There's an outward condition that is exposing the inward condition. And how are we to deal with this as we go on our journey? And I would say to you that this has been dealt with very poorly on both sides of the river. And there's so much discord and dissension and divisiveness that we are seeing the state of what we are seeing in so-called biblical face or the Abrahamic face. So we're seeing this because it, what we're going to discuss today has not been dealt with properly. That's how serious this actually is. A lot of what we see in the modern religious landscape is a result of us not getting what we're going about to discuss. It's a very, very serious matter. One of which all of us are guilty. There'll be nobody here today who's not guilty of what we're about to look at. But we're not going to stay in a place of condemnation. This is what Paul's going to encourage. Even though we may be guilty of these things, we need to learn them and be able to apply them in a way that is going to bear good fruit. The English definition of judgment, so in our English, an opinion, a decision that is based on careful thought or should be. <laughs> Council culture is not doing that anymore, obviously. Uh, the ability to be considered decisions or to come to sensible conclusions. Well, we're definitely not seeing that anymore as a result. We're beyond this. So we're now seeing Rome unable to do this. And that's why we see the council culture. An opinion or conclusion, the ability to make good decisions about what should be done. Okay, so the act of proper discernment before any form of sentencing. So there's a process that's going to come before final judgment. Okay, this process is no longer, we no longer have a society that's able to do this because we are in a childlike state emotionally and spiritually. And what he's trying to address with them is you're, 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 you're in a childlike state spiritually, Corinth. We've got to grow you up. We've got to get you to a healthier place. They're essentially wearing their version of council culture, uh, an ancient form of council culture. The outcome of judgment will lead to action, though. So we're going to see this. So caution, judging others. I've got here, watch your step. And there's a reason why I'm going to do this, because we're all going to face the beam seat of Messiah. And so the whole example, especially in Roman terms, is you would walk up the steps to the one who assigns the reward after the judgment of what has occurred with the race. And so you process that. We see this even in the modern day Olympics still, where they'll stand on the podium and things like this. But there's actually, a, it talks about the way we're to look at the beam, and we'll talk about this, that we're walking the steps of our trial, our test, our judgment. English definition of discernment, the ability to judge well. So you're going to judge, but it's the ability you've got. You're doing something beforehand that's going to allow this. This is a very important process. The blood of Messiah, is, by the way, has allowed all of this, and Paul's going to get into this. The job of supervising or taking care of something such as an organization or property. So stewardship. So overseeing all this kinds of thing. Some of your scriptures right at the beginning of chapter four may have said that. We'll talk about this. The act of proper discernment before any form of sentencing. If you take this away from any society or any overseeing or stewardship, you're going to end up with essentially a house of chaos, division. 
We're missing a process. And because of this, we no longer can live in the space of responsibility, accountability, and of course, consequence, which is the result of good judgment. In 1 Corinthians 4.1.2, let's revisit this, what he's actually saying here. This is how one should regard us as servants of Messiah and stewards of the mysteries of Elohim. So he's going to relate this to the weightiest of matters spiritually. So we love all the knowledge of the mysteries and all the sorts of things. And we look at these things and, you know, look in the understanding of our faith and everything else. But we're supposed to be stewards of this knowledge. So without the application of the mysteries, we're actually doing ourselves a disfavor. And we're going to misapply these things. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So the ones doing this are faithful to the reason why we have the stewarding or the reason why we're going to have judgment. Because believe me, there is judgment here. And there's judgment in the test as well as the judgment that is coming. But how are we supposed to view this and do this? The okeonomos here in Greek, um, it simply means the manager of the household or the affairs, the steward, the superintendent, the head of the house or proprietor, entrusted with management of affairs. This can even be um, particularly in care of receipts, expenditures, manager of farm, land estates, overseer, superintendents, even treasurers. So the way that this is being done is matters of a household. So think of uh, um, parents are supposed to be stewards of their household. So spiritually, this is why it's instructed to the parents to raise the children in his ways. So you're to be physical stewards as well as spiritual stewards. And this is why he's relating to this. So they understand this uh, and what this okeonomos uh, actually means. So he's speaking to them in those terms. But we got pretty messy business going on here. Here is the house of Israel. Liars, cheats, adulterers. By the way, I'm speaking of the house now, believers. Forget Rome. It's easy. Rome's easy. This is the state of our house religiously right now. Liars, cheaters, adulterers, fornicators, incest, homosexuality, murderers, idolaters, cowards, the greedy, the violent, the covetous, the prideful, the self-righteous, the lovers of self, to mention a few. This is our house. Oh, I'll just let Rome be my standard. Because if Rome is my standard and I just make my faith political and not biblical, then I can always feel good about myself. Because don't lie to me. Many of you are watching the news right now and the clippings and the behavior of council culture and a godless society. And you're going, well, at least I'm not like that. And if you're not saying it out loud, you're thinking it. Because a political reality has become your standard. You think that standard, you think what you see witnessing around the world right now is going to be the standard for which we are judged and we are to judge each other? By the way, I'm simply expressing a modern day Paul right now to you. How good does it feel? They were hearing this from Paul almost 2,000 years ago. Am I being politically correct? Can't we just rush back to Rome? Can't we just focus on Rome's version of council culture so we can all feel good about ourselves? I'm telling you, I see council culture in the house. I see it over spiritual matters. Shame on us. Because all of this stuff is in our house. And we want to look to the state of Rome as our standard of righteousness and judgment. 
This is what we're doing in our heart, in our minds, because we love it. Look at how bad they are. Anything but to look in our own house, to look in our own mirror. Paul's going to take us back to the week of unleavened bread as a result. Discern, examine sentencing. He's using all of these forms. First, this verb tense in, in judgment, anacrino, to investigate, to examine, inquire, to scrutinize, to sift, to do a forensic, to do an understanding of this, to interrogate, to examine, estimate, determine. He is speaking, the, and, the, and the Greek is capturing it here. There's a process that Paul's taking them through, and he starts off with this. And then he starts to use diacrino to separate, to make a distinction, to discriminate, to prefer to learn discrimination, to decide, to, do, to take a dispute and be able to rightly divide. He's going to be, there's a process you're going to be able to enter into because there's going to be dispute contending variants. There's going to be doubt. You've got to be able to now take this and be able to do something with the anacrino. You're going to go into diacrino. And then the result of that is going to be crino. So he's giving two things, two places here, as he's speaking to the Corinthians, that you need to go through this process before you add to Crino. And we would not have a council culture today being expressed in Rome the way we are and seen if we had a society that was capable of anacrino and diacrino, but it is not. It's too immature. And so the only thing it's left is a little child screaming, you don't love me, Crino. I pass sentence on you, mom and dad, because you disciplined me or you reproved and correct me. I pass sentence. And that sentence is, in my mind, you don't love me. Reno is to separate, put asunder, to pick out, select. Now you're going to actually bring in something to resolve, to decree, to pronounce opinion concerning right or wrong. Look at this, pass judgment. Deeds, words, others, to rule, to govern, to preside over. In other words, as a part of stewards in the house, we are indeed going to have to enter into Crino. But you don't do it before the process that precedes it. And if you don't have the maturity to do that, you're going to end up in discord. Essentially, he's watching a whole house of immature people passing judgment on each other. Like I say, the ancient form of council culture. In the Greek, of course, the equivalents of these are the din and then the mishpah. And this, again, is a process that we see in the ancient Hebrew. You must go through a process of striving, contending, investigating first. Iron sharpens iron, the sort of expressions we see in the English. If you're not doing this, you're going to head into the judgment and you're going to do this in a very unwise way, that's going, to be, that's going to bear bad fruit. Overall, the word judge is used in Scripture 170 times. Paul is using up a lot of them right now as we deal with just these three chapters in Corinth, to the Corinthians. The question is, what is the place or the process in which he's talking to or about? So our English translations can really struggle here. I'm going to give you an example of something very interesting. This is the demon's judgment. And a lot of people miss this. And this is just, of course, Yeshua is dealing with the possessed man and everything else. And he comes down here. And anyway, there ends up being a conversations with the demonic spirits inhabiting this person. They say, behold, they cried out, have you come to what? Torment us before the time. This is the basanizo. 
to test, to touch purity. In other words, now we're even looking at this process. Are you coming here before you've even applied the basics of testing? These are demonic spirits. Before what? The appointed time. Whoa. Now, I heard of many pigs were feeding in the distance or some of them. Now, look what Yeshua does here. And the demons begged him. They're going, so well, what's going on here? We've not even been tested. You're a righteous judge. You're not going through the process. See, if we know we're actually reading there, they're calling them out. We've not had righteous judgment. We don't even know we're reading this. This is the spiritual realm dealing with the authority on all matters while he's in the flesh. Look what he does. He does not even usurp his own position at this point. He's not gone and gone through the whole process that allows all of this. And he's certainly not ascended the throne yet. He's literally dealing with this physically in the time domain. This is very interesting what he does. They beg him saying, if you cast out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. So that they come out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. You'd be thinking, what the heck was that all about? Now these things are going to drown in the waters. What do we got again? Disembodied spirits. Yeshua does not go to the place of Crino with them. He's the one who could have, and he didn't. See, there's an accusation coming upon them that they know relates to the appointed name, and they know relates to righteous judgment. And what does he do with them? Okay, fine. Diacrino. <laughs> not Crino. What was the result of that? You just lost your flesh bodies and the pigs as well. <laughs> I'm going to deal with you at the appointed time. You see, they got their wish and their answer, but Yeshua didn't go to the place that wasn't appointed. Do you see what happened? They're accusing him. Are you going to Crino? Are you doing this? And you've not carried out your righteousness here? How many of you in your Christian journeys were truly taught what was going on in that moment? Fine, have your wish. And then they lost their flesh. And of course, everybody knows my teachings and past and whatnot. So I always say demons, you know, bacon, the choice of demons. <laughs> you know, it, it just basically, I'm not going there. You're wondering whether I am or not, but I'm not. So fine. Have your pigs, have your swine. That ain't going to last long either. Why does Paul focus on behavior and not doctrine when you're seeing dealing with the Corinthians? Why don't we just see a bunch of doctrinal disputes going? Why has he given such um, importance, priority to behavior? Why is application so important to him? Why was application so important to those demons in the pigs? Why was it even so important in Yeshua's reaction? Do you mean that this is a major part of the test that's going to relate, as Paul was saying in those chapters, to the reign of Messiah? If we can get a very important matter for the age to come, for any of us who wish to be used to be a part of the bridal governance of Messiah, we're talking about it. Right now. This is one of the biggest matters we could ever talk about. 1 Corinthians 3.5 goes on to say this, but with me, 
It is a very small thing that I should be judged. What word is he using there now? Anacrino. To investigate, to look at, to scrutinize, to question. To test these things. That's what he's talking about. That I should be in this space. By you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even anocrino myself. For I am aware of anything against myself, but I thereby acquitted. It is the master who judges me. So now he's gone into this place that I've been examined long before serving you. Something's interesting here. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Crino. Before the master comes, who will bring to light the things hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive commendation from Elohim. Actual reference there to the judgment seat of Messiah. In Matthew 9, 27, 28, puts it like this. This is interesting. We've already talked about the messengers. Then Peter said in reply, see what I've left everything and followed you. But what then will we have? And Yeshua said to them, truly, I say to you, in the new world or in the age to come, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you have followed me will also sit on the 12. This is interesting. Come follow me. I will grant you to see me. See how it's going to do. And this is what it relates to the judging of the 12 tribes of Israel. House stewardship for a thousand years reign. Paul went there. Now Matthew's going there. They know how this is working. They know how this is said. And the word judgment there is crino. To pass judgment. To determine, to decree the 12 tribes of Israel. You better be tested in this anacrino, diacrino space first. You better pass the test. Let's see whether you can be truly trusted. Let's see if you get this. Because if I'm going to trust you with this, <laughs> I better be able to see how you went about getting to Crino. And council culture is not going to cut it in the thousand-year reign. <laughs> Do you see the point? Because if council culture is the way we Crino in the thousand years to come, we're not going to have an eternal family. I hope you're getting this. You're seeing the final expressions of one of the most important matters playing out in a society that is godless. Our Messiah is not going to have a thousand year reign of cancel culture. Please get that message, if not anything, from today. 1 Corinthians 5, 3, 5. So we revisit this. What's going on here? For then absent the body, I present in spirit. And if present, I have already pronounced Crino on the one who did such a thing. This is referring to the ancestral natures. Oh, I've done it. But I didn't do it without what preceded it. The anacrino and the diacrino. In other words, the verb, the action, the process that comes before the judgment. These are action verbs. So you're literally coming into this place. You are to deliver this man toss it down for the destruction of the flesh. And of course, the purpose for the crino is still that they would be going through a process of the great plan of redemption. The reason for the crino in this test is for that purpose, because there is a crino coming at the end of the thousand year reign. It's called the great white throne judgment. And it will be righteous. And it will be for all who have ever lived and who have ever existed. 
And it's quite possible that he's choosing. If you've seen the Great Judgment series, we're going to this in some more detail. He's choosing not to do this alone in order that it may be righteous. I believe the Apostle Paul understood this at such a level that he's trying to get it across to him. You need to take this one seriously. How you play with people, but he's making the point. Oh yeah, I've gone to Crino on this act for sure, but I didn't do it without the process. And this is all the point that he's making. And he goes on, our boasting is not good that you do not live in the whole lump. And again, now he points, cleanse out the old leaven, go and celebrate this festival, but now do it looking in the mirror so that you do it with sincerity and truth. You're not just ticking a box. This whole week of unleavened bread has not only been done away with, we now should be taking it more serious than ever because now we have the blood of Messiah that allows us to examine, to anacrino, to diacrino, the reality of us first and then others. And we are to now do this and spend a week every year to do this. But what if we turn this into just a Torah box ticking and we just get the leaven out of the house, which, of course, I catch out everyone every year with some example to make a point. You didn't get it out anyway in the physical, the box ticking of it. Do you know how serious the week of unleavened bread really is? Do any of us? I don't think any of us do, by the way. I'm saying that sort of rhetorically. I'm not even saying I do yet. I'm saying we are to examine ourselves. This is a big deal. We are to look in the mirror. We have the blood of Messiah that gives us a chance to do so. But if we can do that process, then we might eventually become able to be trusted with Crino, both in the flesh, which is the example of the weightiest matter, which goes into the spiritual. And that's what Paul was doing. The messengers, the 12 tribes of Israel, the great white throne judgment. What he's saying is your test now is to whether you're even capable of going there is happening right now. And we are being given a Moedim devoted to the process of understanding this. And Paul goes right there. No coincidence. Of course, he went to the week of unleavened bread. Because that's what it's there for. And every year we're supposed to look at this in our own house long before we pass Crino on a brother or sister. Are we doing that? And Amos, the prophet Amos here, 521-23, what was happening? Yah saying, I hate, I despise your appointed times. Your appointed times. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings, your grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Wait a minute, they're trying to honor the appointed times, but he's saying they're yours now. You're not doing them for the right reasons. Take away the noise of your songs. You celebrate while you do these things. You dance, you sing, you do all these things. Whoa, this is the house of Israel. It's not the Romans. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. My goodness, you mean we could be box ticking? the Torah, and we could be in real trouble? Whoa. Oh, that, that, that's them. That's not our house of Israel. That's their house of Israel, right? And then we enter into that wonderful spiritual disease I call them itis. And me, first and foremost. Does anybody here, hands up, anybody ever struggled with them itis? Have you ever had that disease? A real spiritual disease. Yeah, I can come and get any of us. I love our community. We're so honest in that sense. You know, sometimes it's freeing just to go, you know what? I have struggled with them itis. 
in my life, but we want to overcome that. Examine yourself first. Look at this in Matthew 7, 4, 5. Or how can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye? So notice where it goes to. Matthew goes in this. So he's mentioning this first, and now he's taking it to this. When there's a log in your own eye. In other words, if you don't do the anacrine, if you don't do the action process of examining, discerning, properly allowing attention to this, you're not going to get the log out of your own eye. Never mind trying to deal with someone else, you hypocrite. First, go to this process. Do what is required before crino. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eyes. Notice this. There's still a speck going out of your brother's eyes in there. It doesn't say, and then you don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye. No, then you take it out. Then you do do crino. As it relates to the flesh, because it's a shadow picture, a test of something that is coming for the weightiest of matters when it comes to the, uh, the last thousand year reign of Messiah and, the, and ending in the great white throne judgment. That would include all of the cosmos, the house of Israel and indeed the messengers. So can we be trusted? First Corinthians 6, 1 to 3. When we were reading through this, this is what he's saying here. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law before unrighteousness instead of the saints? So you're going to go straight to Crino. Stone him. Well, of course, what did we see happen to Stephen? What did we see Paul partake in? Do you think he knows how to talk to these matters? Who here has ever killed somebody from the house of Israel in judgment? Yeah, interesting how some of you put your hands up because you killed them in your heart, didn't you? Murder was there. Oh, yeah, Paul did it actually in the flesh. So this, <laughs> you know, he's, he knows what he's speaking to. How many of us have killed our brothers and sisters with crino of the heart? Are we guilty of murder? Who thinks here we're talking about a pretty serious matter now when it comes to dealing with the house? You starting to get this? Our crino from Messiah concerning the age to come depends on us getting this. Or do you not know that the saints will judge? Look at this. Now Matthew goes to the world to be judged crino by you. Whoa. Are you incompetent to try trivial cases? He's going, you can't even handle this. <laughs> And yet, this whole thing is a test for this. That's all he's saying. Do you not know that we are to judge the messengers, the angels? Now he makes the point. Do you not know what this is all about? I've told you. I've shared with you the mysteries. We've been entrusted as stewards with it. And look how you're, you're dealing with the, the, with the test. That's all he's saying. The only reason why he can speak this to them is because he's told them. The mysteries, the understanding of the, the bride of Messiah, the millennial reign, the great white throne judgment. He has shared the what and the why of the mysteries with them. That's the reason why he can relate to it now, to them in a letter. I can't even trust you, Yang Yangs, to be dealing with the most trivial matters in the flesh. In fact, shame on you. You're even going to Rome to deal with it. You can't handle it amongst yourselves. And you're going to judge the messengers? Really? You're going to crino the messengers? 
goes on to say, so if you have such cases, why do you not lay them before those who are, have no standing in the kahal? They have no matters with the house of Israel, and this is where you're going to take them? So brother and sister, brother and brother, sister, so you're going to go to Rome because you can't even deal with the dispute amongst yourselves? And you think you're going to sit and be a part of the bridal governance of Messiah? I say this to your shame. That's what he's doing. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute? Diacrino. The English there says settle a dispute. Is there no one? What he's saying is there no one wise among you to separate, make distinction, disseminate, to know how to discriminate, to determine, to go through the process between the brothers? Wow. Oh, we didn't see the word judge. So it wasn't judge there. Interesting, eh? Anacrino, the verb, the action. To the diacrino, then decrino. In that order, the process takes place because the blood of Messiah bought us for it to take place. Matthew 18, 15, 17, the whole process. And we know this of a matter of offense and things like this. And we often talk about the Matthew 18 process. But the principles of Vanakino, Diacrino, and Crino are being applied here. And what Matthew is doing is executing that proper process. If a brother sins against you, go tell his fault between you and him alone. Anacrino. It's all the pro that's all he's doing. He knows the principles of judgment. So he's saying, let's apply it here in a in a uh, in an application regarding offense. They listen to you, you've gained your brother. So if you do this the right way, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others with you. May it be established. Okay. May a charge be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So now we're going to bring in the process of witnesses, this legal process. Now we enter into the diacrino. Now we're going to discriminate. Now we're going to take this matter and we're going to let others hear it too. So we're going to take this to the next level. If he refuses, then take it now to the wider house, to the kahal. And if he refuses to even listen to the kahal, then treat them as if they're outside the camp. Crino, you're gone. Do you see what do you see what Matthew's doing there? He has the same knowledge and understanding, but from the Hebraic perspective, it's the exact same thing. You don't honor this process. You want to go straight to council culture. You want to get them out of the camp. And you don't want to go through this. And you don't want to actually allow this to come from a place of a circumcised heart and renewed mind. You want to go straight to Crino? Ooh. Can you be trusted with the judgment seat over the angels? over the house of Israel, over the bridal governance, if all you're doing is engaging in spiritual cancel culture now? By the admission of many hands on this screen, a lot of people put their hands up and says, anybody guilty of going to Crino, spiritual cancel culture? And I saw almost every hand that has a camera on go up. So we're guilty. We are, but we're going to start appreciating the blood of Messiah, aren't we? <laughs> we're going to get reminded of this missing the mark because this is a big one to get. We need to get this. How about suicide? The ultimate act of self-creno, judgment, death upon oneself. 
And yet the scriptures tell us that we're not to be tested beyond what we can handle. But I'm going to tell you this. There, this is somebody who's no longer with the Ruach. The Ruach's not participating in their life. They're wanting to escape this pain. And until you have lost someone to suicide or someone who's close to you or whatnot, many people I see judge people that have committed suicide. They cream of them in their own mind. And I'm going to say, let it not be this community. I've seen this certainly happen with Christianity. You don't know when that person got to a place where they would do the ultimate act of self-creno upon themselves in their own life. But the hurt, the pain, the journey there, you're not capable of knowing that, but the Messiah is. Do we not believe his sovereign authority, merchants and righteous judgment in all matters? And do we not believe that in matters of suicide? Because this is one of the greatest examples that I can think of when somebody is self-creened themselves and then everybody else left around them with all their spiritual self-righteousness and whatnot, now creeners on again regarding the spiritual matter. The creeno on their life is purely in the test on the flesh at this point. The creeno of the spiritual matter is in the one who has all authority. I suggest we leave it there. You agree? Amen? You think you have the right to judge the person and although they entered into self-creno and should never have done that in the flesh, you think you've got the right now to pronounce spiritual creno on them? Do we really believe that we have the right to sit on this throne while we're still in our fallen states? This is what Paul is dealing with, one of the matters of this time domain, this test. I know people, believers, who have gone there and done just that. I have actually seen so-called believers tell somebody who has lost a loved one in suicide, oh, well, they're going to burn in hell. My goodness. Sit now on the seat. I'm not kidding. I'm going to go even further than that. I've seen teachers preach it. You want this? Do you want this on the seat of Crino in the age to come? We better understand. We're in our little test now. And we will get this whole process. And if we can get this right, just maybe we can be trusted with what's to come. Do not rush with Crino. Matthew 7, 1, 3. Judge not. That you being not judged. What's it saying there? Crino. Crino not that you know. Ooh, interesting. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be crinoed. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Do you think now understanding the process before you get to that place, how important this is? Because when you crino, so don't rush to crino, but when you do, just know it's going to apply to you. Now you see, do you see the speck in your brother's eye and not notice that there is a log in your own? That's all it's referring to. John 7, 24, do not judge by appearances. Do not creno by appearances or the act of suicide or whatever it is you think you're seeing. Do not creno, but judge with right judgment. So creno by appearances, but creno with right judgment. Crisis 
separating, sunder, separation, trial, contesting. Isn't that interesting? Do not crino by appearances, but crino with what? The process that goes before it right there. So now we have the Apostle John saying the exact same thing. Do we have three witnesses now? That's just three in the Brit Hadashah. Do this before you go there. Because sometimes you have to go to Crino. It's necessary. And it should never be. So will Yeshua judge his people? Do you think Yeshua is going to Crino his people? These, these are the ones bought and paid for by his blood. So does everybody realize, are we the people bought and paid for by his blood? Is he our high priest? Yeah. Great prophet Jeremiah in 17, 9, 10, and the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That rhetorical question is going to be answered. I, your Elohim, <laughs> search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Wow. Now let's bring the subject of what we've just discussed here of judgment into this upon each other in the house of Israel that is one heck of a mess right now. How are we stacking up? Oh, my heart's all circumcised, is it? Who here has a circumcised heart? Who's complete? Put your hand up. Yeah. See, by his blood, by his mercy, his great plan of redemption, we have the opportunity to now do this at the highest and weightiest level so that we can overcome, so that we can have and experience the heart circumcision. And if we overcome at this level from this place, apparently there's a great thing that's going to be entrusted to us. Now let's read Romans 1, 12, 1, 2. I appeal you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of Elohim to present your bodies as a living sacrifice set apart and acceptable to Elohim, which is your spiritual worship. What's your spiritual worship? Your living sacrifice. What's your living sacrifice when it comes to judgments of others that are in the house of Israel? Oh, what's your living sacrifice look like? It's your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to cancel culture right now but transformed by the renewal of your mind. Look at this, that by testing the very thing that, that the demons and the pigs were saying to Yeshua. Amazing that you may discern. Diacrino, the will of Elohim that you're going to go to, you're going to apply this own process in your own walk, in your own life, and you're going to do this, and you're going to spend at least one week a year doing it, <laughs> the week of unleavened bread, to test what is good and acceptable and perfect there, which is complete or mature, to bring to completion and maturity. This is what the blood is buying us all right now, that we live this. Not only is Paul saying, not throw it away, what he's saying is get the weightier matter of it so that you can do this process because it's going to relate to the age to come. And here I got you all taking each other to court in Rome and acting like silly willies. 
Do you see how he's dealing with this? He's going, I've told you the mysteries and this is what I'm seeing. <laughs> you better get this. Because if I can't trust you with this little, how can I trust you with the much? Too much who is given, much is required. We need to overcome matters of how to view judgment, but we must, unfortunately, still go into Crino when necessary. And that's what Paul was saying. He used a high example of the incestual thing going on as, yes, I've gone to Crino there, but don't think I did it before the rest of the process. He's not into council culture. But there is a house and there are people who will not overcome. They will choose not to overcome. They will stay in their pride. They will stay puffed up and they will cause division and discourse as a result. And the fruit of their behavior will be appalling. And what Paul is ultimately saying is you will need to execute Crino at some point. If you are steward of Messiah. Goes on. Romans 14, 10, 11. This is interesting. Why do you pass Crino on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? This is interesting. So you're not doing it from the right place. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Elohim, the Bama or Bima. But the Bema here is a step, the space, the one that the foot walks, that takes the, up to the platform to be judged. For your what? Your faith. The Bema seat of Messiah. We're going to come before him. What did we do? And, this, and what's given just before the Bema seat? Carino, did you do this without, with the wrong heart? Can I trust you? What is the reward that is given at the Bema seat? If you can't be trusted with this matter, you didn't demonstrate it, you didn't execute it, and now I'm going to what? Have you be a part of the governance of the bride of Messiah? Do you see why this is linked in Romans directly to the Bema judgment? This is bride selection. Matters of judgment. Wow. For it is written, as I live, says Elohim, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to Elohim. The antecedent of this is the heart of Crino with our brothers and sisters, how it relates to the Bema seat and how we will relate to him in that moment. Wow. Let's finish here. Great Psalm 46 to 8. In the sacrifice and offering, in sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you've given me an open ear burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. By the way, if you don't think this is speaking about Yeshua HaMashiach, then I believe you're greatly deceived. I delight to do your will, O my Elohim. Your law is written within my heart. Wow. David got it. He really did. May we get it. And may we understand that the matters and the process of judgment in the house of Elohim is required. But please, can we be the trusted 
stewards, overseers to do this in the way that it is screaming the application of it, that we don't enter into spiritual council culture and use the Torah to bring death. Let us apply Torah in a way that brings life and raises people, that they may be able to digest the meat and that it may be pleasing in sight. Amen. Okay, let's finish there and we'll come back for some Q&A.